Man, I just, I'm reminded today just with so many kids being around and involved in our service today, is how blessed we are, how blessed we are. The Lord's been so kind to our church. It is not a bad thing to be interrupted by the noise of a child, church. It's a good and blessed thing uh, that we have children with us and among us. So, if you don't, uh, if you don't know me, if you're if you're new here, or even if you're old here and you still don't know me, uh, my name is Micah Loggins. I'm the worship pastor here. Usually, I'm the one in charge of music, but I'm thankful to JB for taking over some of those duties this morning uh, so that I can uh, stretch and do some other things. I'm thank- thankful to the deacons for entrusting me with preaching God's Word today. I count it a great privilege to open God's Word with you anytime I get to do so. Um, and today we're going to be spending our time in Psalm 127. Psalm 127. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me, or if you have a device, you can scroll there with me. Psalm 127. This psalm was written by King Solomon. We don't have many psalms written by him, but many of them were written by his father, King David. But Solomon was known as the wisest man in history. And today, I think God uses the wisdom of Solomon to tell us something that we desperately need to hear. Mothers, you need to hear it. Fathers, you need to hear it. Singles, young people, older people, we all need the wisdom of Psalm 127 this morning. Church family, this morning, I believe that God wants to liberate us from the crushing weight of thinking that everything depends on us. I want to say that again. What I think God wants to do among us today is to lift this crushing burden off of our back that we are carrying around saying that if we don't get it done, it won't get done. If we can't make it happen, it won't happen. God wants us to be free of that awful burden and to trust him with our whole lives to be the builder and protector and the blesser of it all. Moms, does this problem sound familiar to you? Maybe you spend your days moving from one task to the next, keeping all the plates spinning thinking that if you don't get it done, it's not going to get done. The world's going to stop turning. But it's not just moms, is it? That's all of us. We tend to think that if we're not the ones making it happen, it won't happen. It's our sole responsibility to make sure that our families are provided for and cared for. And there's, there's a grain of truth in this. I mean, human wisdom would tell you that it's noble and right to make sure that we work hard to build a good life for ourselves and our families. That's, that's what we all want, right? Of course we do. It's not a bad thing. But Psalm 127 tells us a hard truth this morning, but it's a life-giving truth. Even if we work ourselves to the bone to achieve the life and the family that we desire, if it is not accompanied by God's blessing it will ultimately amount to nothing. It will fade away, leaving no impact 
and nothing eternal of value. Today, God wants us to wake up to his work in our lives. And so I've titled this message, The House the Lord Builds. If we're willing to let go of our futile attempts at building a life for ourselves, church family, we're going to be free to step into a life and a future that's built and secured for us by God's own hand. We'll be free. Let's look at Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray, church. Father, we need your help. We are in desperate need, even if we do not feel it. Lord, we ask for your intervention and your help that we might be free this morning to step into the life that you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first two verses of this psalm, we see a picture of mankind's fruitless efforts. Mankind's fruitless efforts. Solomon gives us a detailed picture of what, it, what it's like for the builder to build houses that one day will uh, amount to nothing, or for the watchman to stay awake trying to watch over the city and keep it safe, and that comes to nothing. These labors are in vain. He's writing to God's people about what they're building and what they're protecting. And church family, this is a word for us this morning. First, we see in this verse, first verse, mankind's fruitless effort in our building. In our building. So Solomon's got strong words for them about the future that Israel is creating for themselves. And he says if the Lord isn't the, the true builder, if he's not the one doing the work underneath our work, their laboring is in vain. So friends, this morning, what are we building? Maybe you're building an honest-to-goodness house right now with lumber prices the way that they are. God bless you. Um, I will pray for you. But I think for, for many of us, this, this passage really applies in, in some other areas. Perhaps you're building a career. Maybe you're trying to climb the ladder. You're trying to make it, uh, make it big. You're trying to uh, provide for your family in a, in a more um, sustainable, helpful way. Or maybe your career is a source for you of, of wanting to make a difference in the world. These are not bad things. None of these are bad. Unless God is not in them. Maybe you're building a family. I think this one touches many of us. In fact, you know, in, uh, in the Bible, the word house is often linked to family. 
we can almost read this, unless the Lord builds the family, those who build it labor in vain. We're all building. But if the Lord's not at work underneath our work, if He's not the true builder, we will one day look back and see our efforts fade into dust and ashes. And that's hard. It's a hard truth this morning. It goes on. Second, well, first we see mankind's fruitless effort in our building. Second, we see it in our safeguarding. Second half of verse 1 says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So at the time that Solomon wrote this, uh, city security was a pretty big deal. Most, uh, all major cities in that time would have a city wall around it to protect from invasion and, and, um, and, and from, they needed to be able to protect their cities in that way. And so a watchman had an important job to alert people if there was a threat to the city. But Solomon says, and remember, he's the king of Israel, so he understands about security. But he says, if the Lord's not the one watching, then the night watchman might as well just take a nap. There's no reason for him to even come in and show up to work if the Lord is not ultimately the one keeping the city safe. So not only is it fruitless for us to build apart from God, any security that we can achieve for what we've built is also limited. We bump up against our limitations whenever we try to mastermind the security of our lives. For instance, we cannot, by our own force of will, achieve safety and happiness for our children. We can't do it. We can make every effort, and we should make every effort. But if God is not blessing our efforts, it will amount to nothing. Our overparenting will only end up in hand-wringing and nail-biting. We can try to figure out how to give them all the opportunities we can give them and make them as happy as we can make them and give them all the things that they want to try to make them happy and make them fulfilled and satisfied. We all want those things for our kids. But if God is not going, if we don't hand them over to the Lord, we will lose them. The only way to keep them is by giving them away. Friends, where are we finding our security today? We don't really have a city wall, um, but we certainly want to feel safe. Maybe you feel safe because of the amount of money in your bank account at this moment. Maybe for you, you, uh, you got some heart palpitations, as I said that, uh, because of the amount in your bank account at this moment. But if you're trusting in your financial situation to give you security, we are often reminded the dips in the market. Nothing is 100% safe. And even if you do have all the money in the world, will it protect you from the, some of the things that are out there? No. Perhaps your source of security today is your family stability. Maybe you're thankful that your family is not as crazy as that family. <laughs> I'm not speaking, we're speaking about people outside, the, outside this room right now. No, nobody's got a crazy family in here. Um, 
perhaps, perhaps we feel like because we're a relatively stable family unit, that that's a source of security. And, and you know what? It should be. That's a good thing. That's a God-ordained thing. But it doesn't always last, does it? Tragedy can strike. Someone's heart can be turned away from the family. It's not an eternal source of security. What about your physical health? Maybe you're feeling like everything's gravy because you've got your health. That's a good thing to have. Of course we should try to maintain our physical health as best we can. But whenever we get that diagnosis, it won't matter how many vegetables we ate. Kids, you should still eat your vegetables. We should pursue some measure of security in all these areas. But friends, it can only take us so far. God alone can ensure that what he's building is safe from any threat. There is a kingdom that will outlast this world. There is a dwelling place that exists outside this world. There is a treasure that you can build up for yourself where moth doesn't destroy, where thief doesn't steal, where it can, cannot be damaged by any earthly thing that's kept safe in heaven for you. But we can't attain it by ourselves. The person who builds that home is the Lord. I want you to notice in these pursuits in our building and in our safeguarding Solomon's not telling us to stop showing up to work he's not telling us to stop building he's not telling us the watchman to stay home he's saying do what you can do work hard be faithful but don't for one second think that your efforts are what's keeping things running if the Lord is not at work your labor is in vain if we're building or we're safeguarding, whichever one we're doing, either it will ultimately be God's doing or it will amount to nothing. This is a sobering truth. Mom, you can succeed in giving your kids everything you think they need, but if you're not relying on the Lord's intervention in their lives, your efforts will count for nothing. Dad, you can safely, you can provide safety and security and financial stability for your family. But if the Lord isn't blessing your efforts, they will end up counting for nothing. Perhaps you don't have children, but this still applies. If you're spending your time building and securing a life for yourself and God is not at the center, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. We have one more verse to go through before the tide starts to turn and it becomes a more hopeful message. Let's look at verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. For Friends, no matter how hard or how much you work, the best you can do is to feed yourself on food that's attained through anxiety and fear. Fear of not having enough or fear of losing what you have. 
all of our efforts, whether or not we wake up early in the morning and we stay awake late at night working, we, can, we might can provide enough for ourselves to eat, but we won't build anything of eternal value. Now contrast that with what we see in a verse like Matthew 6, 28 and 29, where Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. So the Lord gives us a picture of humble receiving of his gifts and blessing in our lives. The lilies don't work hard to be clothed. They just simply exist to be what God has created them to be. And God clothes the lilies of the field. And if we belong to him, if we are his children, how much more will he take care of us, church family? Church, sometimes the best way of showing our trust in the Lord is by turning off our phone rolling over and going to sleep. That is sometimes the best way of saying, Lord, you've got this. I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop being stressed out about it. Because when we're, when we're overworked and we're stressed out, we are forgetting who God is, church. He's our Father, and He delights to take care of things for His children. He wants to give, as this verse says, to His beloved sleep. He wants you to rest in the fruitfulness that can only come from Him. And we also see um, in some commentators talk about the, the Hebrew words in this, which I don't know Hebrew words, so I'm trusting the commentators here. Um, they say that, that there's sort of a dual meaning here. He gives sleep to us, but He also gives us all the things we need while we're sleeping. Right? He's the one that keeps the earth moving around the sun while we're asleep. Church, we, we spend about a third of our lives laying flat with our eyes closed, producing nothing. That's about, the, and that's God's mercy to us to tell us that we are not God. We have to slow down. We have to go to sleep. We have to trust that He is working all things together, keeping the stars and the planets aligned, even as we are flat on our back, defenseless, asleep. We have to trust Him. It's an act of faith. Every time we tell our doubts and anxieties to stop, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to trust the Lord, I'm going to wake up and do what He's called me to do, trusting that He has done what only He can do. Church, I want you to picture Jesus asleep in the boat. He's had a hard day of ministry. He's exhausted. He goes down into the boat to sleep. And the wind and the waves rise up, and his disciples become anxious and eventually fearful and eventually terrified, thinking that they're about to die. These professional fishermen who spend their life out on the water are scared to death. But Jesus is asleep in the boat. Why? Because the Lord delights to give rest to his beloved. Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, because of what God called him to do, that he was absolutely safe in the Father's hands. There was no need for him to even wake up. The only reason why he did was because the disciples needed the miracle to show them what Jesus was like. But friends, this is more of what God wants for us. 
God wants us to be able to sleep while the storm rages, trusting that He is in control, trusting that He alone can take care of our needs, and that while we might be required to, do, to play our part, ultimately, if we play our part without His blessing and intervention, it will come to nothing. So at this point in the passage, the tone shifts dramatically. We're about to move into verses 3 through 5. And in the first two verses, we saw mankind's fruitless efforts. We looked at the elaborate failure that comes whenever we try to mastermind our own lives. But beginning in verse 3, we see the alternative. What does it look like to do it God's way? We see that God... We see that we can experience life uh, as God's fruitful blessings. Not, we're not trusting in mankind's fruitless efforts. We're trusting in God's fruitful blessings. Verse 3 through 5 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. In the final three verses of this psalm, we read about the kind of life that God builds and secures, as opposed to the kind of life that we can build. Though through talking about the gift of children, Solomon contrasts what a life of fruitless effort looks like versus a life that trusts in God's fruitful blessings. So we have these, this major contrast here. Which one are we going to be, church? Are we going to try to mastermind our own lives, or are we going to try to trust in a simple blessing of the Lord? Verse 3 tells us that children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. And this is perhaps one of the easiest areas for us to recognize God's provision, right? When we looked at those beautiful, precious children up here just a moment ago, we have an innate sense that we we don't have very much to do with how they come about. Of course, the Lord has to bless the union of a, of a wife and a husband to, to, to bring about a baby. But our part is so small. The rest of it, we just have to leave up to the Lord. We don't understand how, how babies are formed and put together in their mother's wombs. God alone can do it. I remember, I remember holding my son, Ben, in my arms for the first time. And he was about this big. Now he's about this big. And, and uh, I didn't feel like a giant. You would think that I would. But I felt so small. I felt so limited. I felt so incapable. I'm like, how did this happen? This had to be a gift of the Lord. This had to be something that God did because I sure... I sure don't know what, how this came about. I sure didn't, wasn't involved in, in, in the formation of him in his mother's womb. God has to be the one to do it. He is the one that gives children as a gift. So this is an area where almost everyone can look at a child and say, yep, we don't understand that. We know God did that. We know God did that. So when the miracle of life occurs, we usually recognize it. But God wants us to recognize that every other area of our life is just the same. It's just as miraculous. Any time that we have breath in our lungs when we wake up, any time that we are able to go to work, 
to make a paycheck to be able to pay for food for our family, or anytime we're able to take our children to baseball practice, or anytime that God is providing for us and securing for us what He's provided, it's all a miracle. It's all something that He's done. Solomon's just showing that a child is an easy thing to look at and see it's a miracle, but the rest of it's all miracle too. The rest of it is stuff that we can't do on our own. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I want you to imagine a warrior fashioning his arrows. He's forming them, he's shaping them, he's, he's, he's putting the fletching on, getting the feathers just right. He's, he's sharpening, he's honing, he's making it straight because he knows once it's loosed from the bow, it's going to go and accomplish a purpose. And he wants it to fly true. And just as arrows fly from the bow to accomplish a purpose, so do we send out our children into the world for kingdom purposes. Church, our job is to form our children into the likeness of Christ. Of course, we cannot do this without his help. But we can... We can We can raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, trusting that as his work undergirds our work, he will bless it. He intends for our children to be useful for kingdom purposes. God didn't give us our kids so that we could make the world revolve around them. This is another way we distinguish ourselves from the world, church. Our primary job is not to make our children happy, Our responsibility to these kids is to show them how Jesus can make them holy. Set apart to showcase God's glory to this dying world long after we're dead and gone. Only our children can do this. We loose them from the bow and we say farewell and we leave it in God's hands. We pass away and the future belongs to them. This is an act of faith, church. This is an act of faith that where we trust in God's provision to make a world that only He can make, to build a building that only He can build, to watch over a city that only He can watch over. And you don't even have to be a parent to get in on this. I can think of many women and men that I've known who have not experienced the blessing of sons or daughters, yet they are still investing in children for kingdom purposes. That should be celebrated, church. What a gift it is from the Lord to have these people who are willing to invest in children, even though the Lord has not seen fit to bless them in His providence with their own. But you don't have to be a warrior with a bow and arrow to help a warrior sharpen his arrow. You can help. Church, trusting our future to children that's, that's a, you know, we hear that in culture. We hear the children are our future. That's sort of a cliche term, but of course it's true. It's obviously true. But trusting our future to children is God's idea. It requires faith. And God uses the small things of the world to shame the wisdom of the wise. It's not through bigger buildings and more security that we can build a better world. It's through building better children. The small things of the world. After all, did not the salvation of the whole world come through a baby? 
I want you to think about Mary, making plans to get married to Joseph and start a family. Boy, her plans got interrupted, didn't they? (laughs) I want you to think about Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, telling her what's happened, and all of a sudden (laughs) Elizabeth breaks out in a song. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Does that phrase sound familiar? The fruit of the womb, a reward? Church family, Mary put her trust in God's word to her that this baby would save his people from their sins. And God is calling each of us to trust in the provision of Christ to save our eternal souls. If you're willing to do that, church, we should be able to hand over the rest of our lives to him, trusting that he can build something that we can't build alone. This morning, we're at a crossroads, church. Maybe you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. I want to encourage you to believe Psalm 127 and let your head hit the pillow tonight, trusting that God is the one keeping the earth spinning. He's working on your behalf even as you sleep. It's not all up to you. You can rest. You can rest. Perhaps you've been a little offended today at the thought that Maybe you're not as self-sufficient as you thought you were. You're not as much of a self-made person as you hoped you were. I want to encourage you. There's grace for you. You need to humble yourself under God's mighty hand and realize that apart from Him, you can do nothing. Church, this morning we have the opportunity today to stop trying to mastermind our own lives, building and safeguarding things that God has no intention of blessing. Yes, let's work hard. Yes, let's do our, let's work, let's put our hand to the plow. Let's, let's do what we can do, but realize that what we can do is very limited in its scope and power and that God alone can make it fruitful. Church, this morning, let's receive the humble blessings that only God can give and show the world what it looks like to trust Him humbly and confidently as we seek His provision. Church, we, we can turn over our lives to Him. What He can build will last forever. It's a glorious thing for someone who knows they're weak to admit their weakness and hand themselves over to the God who says, I can work with that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we need you. You're, we're thankful for your word that says that you delight to give your children rest. You delight to provide for your children So, Lord, let us hold this life with open hands. Lord, let us not grasp and and cling to the things that, that we feel like we have control over. Let us just hand it all over to you. Let us just cast them at your feet, trusting that you can build something beautiful and wonderful out of our lives. Lord, give us the grace and the mercy to do this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.